Merry Christmas. We're so glad to have you here with us. Um, yeah, that was great. I love the jazz vibe this morning. Um, we're so glad to have you here with us celebrating Christmas here at Faithbrook. Um, if you are um, visiting with us, we're so glad to have you here, our family as well. So um, a couple things to announce. Next week, we will not have service on December 31st. It's a chance for us to say thank you and give our volunteers who work so hard all year round a little chance to take a breath and enjoy the holiday season. Um, so thank you to our volunteers. And so we will not have service next Sunday. However, we will be coming back nice and strong for our God Strong series, January 7th. So join us with that. Start the new year off right, right here close um, on January 7th. So we'll see you back for that. Let's enjoy some more worship this morning. Hey, hey, good morning. Pastor Jim here. Welcome to Faith Brook. It's a beautiful day, especially on Christmas Eve. You guys are looking great it's good to have you, especially if you're online. Maybe you're still in your pajamas, couldn't make it this morning. We want to welcome you. Tis the season. Yes, I I'm, I'm, trust that everyone has all the presents uh, wrapped and your cookies are baked and you are ready to enjoy the next couple of days. We're getting to the conclusion of our Christmas series called All I Want for Christmas. It is true that sometimes we want some material things, some cool gadgets, but we have discovered down deep in the human heart, there are four qualities that we're really craving. And one of them is hope, that if everything just goes away and we come to the end of our life, do we truly have true hope that we know that we're right for God and that in the eternal life, we will be right and we've learned that our hope doesn't come from religion, doesn't come from traditions. It comes from a relationship that God gave us through the cross and his grace in Christ Jesus. We also learned that in Christmas time, we've all want some love. And yes, we would like some human love, but we found that human love can also be inconsistent. We can be hurt by human love and it can disappoint us. But God's intimate love for us that can go to the depths of our soul and humanity is a deeper love that he offers. And last week, we looked at if we are connoisseurs of God and look for God in all the places, good and the small and the big, before you know it, we can start enjoying a higher form of joy that's not based on circumstances or thrills, but a deep form of joy living with inside of us. Now this morning we're going to look at the fourth quality and that is peace. Does anybody want some peace out there? Maybe some of you are going to have a peaceful holiday. You're not getting together with family or something that's going to be kind of chill and you're thankful for that. Other people's like, yeah, our holiday, our Christmas, there's not going to be peace. You know how many kids we are uh, taking and we got all these expectations from family. It's going to be pretty tense time. Have you ever noticed that we do want some peace in our life? Some, some peace? Why don't we have peace? Well, maybe you've had a really tough last year. There's some things going on at home that hasn't brought peace. There's been some uh, estrangements with maybe kids, family, spouses. Maybe at work, there's been some stresses and some changes that hasn't brought peace. Maybe your health has given you some concerns. Now, if things are good at home, all you have to do is look at the headlines and you can tell there's a lot of lack of peace in our global societies or not. 
We got this little thing called artificial intelligence that seems to be creeping around that kind of creeps us out. There's all these war stories from the, the crazy guy in North Korea that's shooting all ballistic missiles. We got China that wants to take back uh, Taiwan. We, we got the Russians that are invading the Ukrainians. And then this last fall, we saw what's happening in Israel and the Middle East is on fire. It just kind of gives us the shivers and makes us uneasy. We look around ourselves like, what's up with the weather? What's up with this warm climate? Ah, uh, something going on. We see the headlines about the crime in the streets and the mental illness and the mass shootings and the suicides. And we wonder if there's any peace. And guess what? We get to go into next year and experience a nice, peaceful presidential election. Are you kidding me, right? The lack of peace. Some people's like, man, what is going on in our world? We, we're living in a crazy world. In fact, a couple of years ago, the New York Times had a headline asking this question. Is the world really falling apart, or does it just feel that way? They cited the insurrection, global pandemic, riots, crime, and climate change. We have to ask ourselves, man, as a society, are we losing our mind? Why is there so much dissatisfaction and hurt and strife in our society? Is there any chance that we could even have some peace and tranquility? We come to church and we sing some songs and hear some of the verses that talks about peace. In fact, Isaiah 9, 11 around Christmas time is quoted a lot. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. There's that quality. All I want for Christmas is I have some peace. Is it um, achievable? When you look in the dictionary about how they describe peace, there's a couple of categories. There's like the global peace where there might be factions or some nations that are at war and they come to a treaty or an agreement that they're going to put down their arms and there's going to be peace in the land. Wouldn't that be nice? World peace. No more battles and wars. Another category is personal peace. The dictionary uses terms like contentment, tranquility, harmony, and even silence. Can you imagine having that personal peace? But there is in the world an evil one that does not want us to have peace. He wants to disrupt a lot of things and steal our peace. In fact, Jesus referred to him. He called him a thief in John 10.10 10 that says, the thief comes as, come to kill, steal, and destroy but Jesus reminded the people that I've come to give you life and give you life to the full. So why isn't this global or personal peace happening? What seems to be the source and the reason why we can't have peace on earth and peace in our hearts? Well, this morning, the Bible can help us diagnose the reason for the lack of peace. Now, I know sometimes when we talk about the Bible, we kind of roll our eyes and say, isn't that an old book? Isn't that just a crusty religious book? But it's not only an old book, but it's a timeless book. The Bible doesn't tell us just what happened in the past, but also tells us what's happening now. And it can help sort out that question, why isn't there a lack of peace? In fact, the Bible can help diagnose the reason for the lack of peace. However... If you misdiagnose the malady, you will misprescribe the remedy. 
So as we look in the Bible, different places, for instance, John, uh, Romans chapter one, it talks about the reason. Uh, Apostle Paul wrote this to Christians in Rome and they saw the society was very tense. There was a lot of hurt. There was a, a lot of, of uh, battling and, and tension filled. And, and so one of the reasons he says in Romans one, he says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Do you think that happens these days? People know about God. They know about church. They see the steeples. Ah, but they don't care about God, let alone going to give God time or give thanks to God. Before we know it, you know, we, we can think up things better, the philosophies of life, what's right and wrong. And we kind of just think of these ideas and pretty soon our society continues to get more harsh and coarse and angry in our society because of these thoughts that we don't uh, give to God. He goes, continues on. And, and they traded the tr- truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Now, could I uh, suggest that in the last 60 years in America, there's kind of been a, a major shift that kind of goes along with this. And we wonder why there's so much bedlam in the streets and tragic headlines in our society and sadness. I have a feeling that our society said, yeah, we know who God is. We, we, we kind of are grandparents or next generation. They, yeah, but, but you know what? We want to do life on our own. And we start doing our own philosophies, our own direction in our life. No, no thanks. We've been enlightened. We've been educated. And what's happened was we replace the creator with creation. We replace the supernatural with the natural. We replace the, the Bible for the books of philosophy. Instead of spending time in worship, we spend our time in recreation. And these things of recreations to nature, these are things of God. God created the good. But if you take the good thing and make it into a God thing, a good thing starts to do bad things. We now start worshiping the created. The Bible shows us that the source of our lack of, of peace is an alienation from God, and it always results in conflict with man. Before we know it, we are getting upset we are getting prideful. We got arguments. We got divisions. We got hurt. We got betrayal because we have alienated ourselves from God. Now, you take it to the extreme. You can go to uh, wars where there's some horrific hurt, murder, killing, battles, torture, you name it. But closer to home, it's a little bit more toned down. It kind of just kind of seeps into society, and there's a society shift of alienation from God, and we see it in a couple ways. For example, one is that government starts replacing God. Government starts replacing God. The government will take care of us, and when people stop believing in a higher power, the government starts to become the higher power. It happened in the Bible days, and it's happening in today. Now, Let me just share, I'm not anti-government, not at all. Because God instituted three institutions, three institutions. One, he instituted the church. The church is his hope. It's his body. It's his his family. It's not always perfect. It can have some disformities and, and sin itself, but 
It's his institution, the church. The second one is the family. God invented the, the family to sit together and have our backs and love each other. He also instituted the third one, and that is the government. In fact, if you read Romans 13, you talk about that he places government officials. So we replace God with government. And the second thing, we, have, we go from we are the problem and God is the solution to now that you are the problem and I am the solution. You're the problem and I'm the solution. And guess what? I am now the judge and the jury and I've been called to dispense justice. And I'm going to make sure that you understand that you are not morally right. I am. I am now God because I'm not paying attention to this God. And if you don't believe like I believe, I'm going to make sure that you know it. And I'm going to bully you. I'm going to write against you. I'm going to shame you. I'm going to cancel you because you need to know what I believe because now I am God because I'm not paying attention to the God up there. So to better illustrate the, this and the lack of of peace. I'm going to ask a volunteer. Is there any volunteers out there? I see a good looking man up here. Why don't you run up here real quick? <clears throat> so what Paul is trying to explain is that our, our greatest problem is not so much horizontally with our, our fellow man is with God. So I, I need you to hold this stick above me, right above me like this. So this is what I would call the divide. This is the righteous sin divide. That God is righteous, I am not. I know instinctively, if not kept in check or taught properly, uh, my flesh and my selfishness, my ego, my insecurities will act out before I know it. I'm becoming a jerk or I'm hurting other people because I got a sin problem. But God is the righteous one. And I, and I struggle with this because we got this sin divide. This is what Paul is talking about. But we kind of been deceived to keep our eyes off of this sin righteous divide that that's our greatest problem. That's my greatest problem. We've been manipulated and taught that our greatest problem is with our fellow man. So if you just drop this down, just drop and give it to me. You stand right over there. You stand over there, everyone, like good, good little soldier. Amen. Okay, great. So now we, we got a horizontal problem. So the, the deal of it now is that you're the problem, I'm the solution, okay? I, I'm the good guy, you're the bad guy, right? And you know what? A lot of times you, you can be the, the villain and you victimize me. Or that, that I'm the uh, oppressor and you've been oppressed. And before we know, we're, we've got tension in the land. We've got tension in our families. We've got tension in the streets, in our communities. We're all pointing fingers at each other. And all of a sudden, there's a bunch of divides. You know, you're rich, I'm poor. You're privileged, I'm unprivileged. You're, you're, you're this color and I'm this color. You believe this way politically, I believe this way politically, right? You, you, you believe in homeschooling, I believe in public schooling. And it just continues on. You know, you're a Packer fan, I'm a Viking fan. I, I don't know if it goes that far, okay? But before you know, we got tension and we got division and we set ourselves up as we're the good guys and the moral right God, right? And everybody else is not right. And we become very judgmental and harsh. And we now feel like we've been called to be the fixer and point out everybody's problem. And it boils down throughout our whole globe. Um, I remember seeing a quote that said, the devil says, you know, he doesn't have to, to destroy us. All the devil has to do is divide us. 
And we see that in our society because now we're more focused on our differences and our conflict horizontally instead of the conflict and our problem vertically with God. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Could you just lay that down right there in that front seat? Easy now. So we have this major tension in our society that gives us a lack of peace. It's the same way in Jesus' society when he came. Back in those Roman days, the Jewish people were very oppressed. They were always grumbling and mad at the Romans because the Roman Empire, they just overpowered people, made sure that the Jewish people couldn't really ascend, and they were always griping and mad, and it was dark. People lived in terror. Because if you fool with the Roman Empire, those Roman soldiers or that governor like Herod would come and get you. And so it was a very dark time, scary time. But my friends, that's exactly when Christ was born. Christ came at the time of world history where there wasn't much peace. And mothers and fathers were were scared and hunkered down. And that's when Jesus came. And Jesus came as a prince of peace. Not to bring peace militarily or politically or even physically, but Jesus came to bring peace spiritually because Jesus knew our greatest issue wasn't with our brothers and sisters. It wasn't with our fellow man. Our greatest issue was with him. And there's a divide and there's a hostility and something had to happen. Something had to break and a savior came to the world 2,000 years ago. Luke recorded in chapter two, the Christmas story of these shepherds trying to communicate this, of the angels communicating this with the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He will be assigned to you and you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. These angels were proclaiming to these shepherds that there is a prince of peace that is coming to give peace to the human heart, that this prince is going to address the vertical issue, the conflict, the hostility, the great righteous sin divide. This prince of peace would be the remedy for the malady. The apostle Paul got wind of this, in fact, experienced this divide And something broke in his life. And later he would write to the church of Ephesus these words. For he himself is our peace. I want you to notice how often he uses the word peace. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law, which is commands and regulations. So the Jewish people The only way they could get right with God was through all the religious acts. They had to follow the rules. They had to know their traditions. And there was always this grind to just be good enough and moral enough that God would be pleased with them. And and Paul is saying, you know what brings peace? 
is that Jesus came to take these two groups, him and mankind, and bring them together, destroying this, this traditional hostility. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. That's why we have a cross. Our salvation, our peace with God is not going to be through our morality and following the rules. Those are important. But we are saved and made right with God through his grace, through his mercy, which he demonstrated and he had to pay the price on the cross by which he put to death this hostility. This bar, this divide between God and man, if we address it, repent of our hostilities, there will be a oneness, a unification, a a reconciliation with God, and there's peace in our hearts. Now, I wish I could say that we can all embrace Jesus, and we're going to have more world global peace. Nobody's going to be taking up arms against each other. There's not going to be any more crime. That's not going to happen. In fact, from the fall, that ship has sailed. That every human being has the capacity to do good, praise God. But every human being has had a nature within them that wants to be selfish, stubborn, prideful, aggressive, and revengeful. But Jesus came to address the heart issue. To deal with that sin nature in all of us. To be our savior. Because our biggest issue is not with our fellow man. It's with God and our relationship with God. Jesus came as a prince of peace. That's why the angels had to rush to Joseph when he found out that his fiancee, Mary, was with child. In his mind, there was only one way that that could happen. She was fooling around with him and he was ready to divorce her. The angel came to Joseph and said, don't do that. Joseph, you have to understand what is conceived in her. It's not from man, it's from the Holy Spirit. Take Mary as your wife. And be sure to give that baby inside of her the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The angels like people's problems not with each other. Our people, our problems is with God and we need salvation and he will address this hostility, this righteous sin divide. He will bring the peace that we need in our hearts and with God and address it. But here's the good news when that happens. Here's the good news. When we have vertical peace with God, we have horizontal peace with others. When we have vertical peace with God, there's a much better chance we're going to have peace with each other. Because guess what? We don't see ourselves as God anymore. And we don't have much business pointing out people that you are the bad guy. You are the wrong guy. Because what happens in our mind and hearts, we realize we were the bad guy. We were the one that hurt God. And a lot of times we hurt others. And we are the ones that problem. So who are we to judge other people and shame them and bully them and shout them down? It is only by God's grace and love and mercy that we can stand with God. And so there's a change that happens in our hearts. Sometimes um, our greatest issue is not with our person that we're angry with, A lot of times that's happened because we are not right with God. There's something in our hearts that's unsettled, that doesn't have peace. And things trigger us. Things make us mad. And down deep, it's not them. It's it's us. I found this out in in high school. 
in junior high, I had a lot of enemies. Uh, I knew who God was, just like the scriptures. I was raised in the church, but I didn't have time for God. I was going to do my own thing, and I thought I could do my own thing. And, and there were some conflicts and disappointments, and, and one of my arch name was Johnny Adams. Man, I hated Johnny Adams, and he hated me. If we were in the same vicinity, man, we almost got in a fight. He tried to be this big, cool, jerky bully, and he would insult and make fun, and I hated him, and I stayed out of his way. Well, in high school, someone introduced to me that my issue wasn't my peers, wasn't Johnny, it wasn't all my insecurities. My greatest issue was with God the Father. And someone really asked me to address my issue with God the Father, that there's a sin issue that has to be addressed. And I came to that realization that my life and my stresses and my problems wasn't horizontally, it was vertically. And that had to be dealt with. And because God so loved me and loves you, he was willing to accept me and adopt me and forgive me and cleanse me. And when I repented and confessed of, of all that ugliness and regret in my life, there was a washing, there was a filling, there was a forgiveness, a new birth, if you will, in my life. And for soon, little bit by little bit, little Jimmy comfort started changing. And it, I got a little bit more confidence and love in my heart and, and, a, and a purpose in my life. I started treating people a little bit differently and loving people a little bit differently and treating myself a little bit differently. And I did my best to live a, a committed, authentic Christian life, the best I could in high school. Didn't see Johnny Adams much. He had different classes. Well, after high school, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to pursue. So I went to a community college and I commuted, commuted to this community college. And many of you know that I, was, I grew up in Kansas City and Kansas City's in the winter is notorious for icy roads. We don't have too much snow but man, it can get glazing icy. So me and my classmate were, were going to this, this community college and that winter morning, my car uh, slipped off the road and went into the ditch. And I'm saying, oh, great. Now, now how am I going to get this car? It's all slick and wet. And to get this, this car out, I, mean, I don't know how to get a tow truck. That's going to cost me a lot. And, and I'm not sure about this. And so who could we call? And my classmates, well, well, there are some buddies of ours that have some big four-wheel drive trucks. Back then, it was really cool if you hopped them up, big old mud tires and stuff. And I know who we could call. We could call Johnny Adams. He has one of those. And as soon as he said his name, I'm like, oh, not him, man. Uh, no, no, um, no, don't call him. He hates my guts. And I'm not sure if I even like him, right? And that guy's going to come driving over here, and he's going to make fun of me. He's going to insult me. He's going to be a, a jerk. He said, well, you know, know anybody else that's available? I, I, I don't know. He said, let's give him a call. I'm like, oh, great. This is, is going to be great. So he comes and calls and says, hey, Comfort's in the ditch, man. Can you bring your truck over here and pull him out? I'm like, what's going to happen, right? He said, yeah, I'll, I'll be over there in a little bit. And he says, he's coming. I, he is? Yeah, he says, he'll be willing to come. Like, okay. So he comes in his truck, and they're moving there, sitting in the ditch, right? He pulls it up. What happened? I said, well, it's a little off. Oh, man, that's a bummer. He says, well, let's see how we can figure this out. And he gets his chains and ropes one and gets my car back on the road and stuff. And, and I just like, he's just like being a cool dude. And, and I'm like, hey, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, no problem, Jim. Uh, you guys okay? I said, yeah, we got to get going. He said, all right, see you later. And drives off. <laughs> I'm like, wow, uh, what happened there? This, this guy hated me. I hated him. What's going on here? And maybe he changed. I don't know. Maybe he did. But I know I changed. I know that I wasn't the same kid. 
and I know my heart. And maybe Johnny Adams, as a distance in high school, saw my life change. That I tried to respect people, love people, even try to care people. The life wasn't all about me. It was about Jesus. It was about other people. And before I know it, I was getting more friends. I was getting more invites or more respect in my life. And maybe he saw that. It's like, man, it's cool. You see, when we have vertical peace with God, a lot of times we can have better horizontal peace with others. And it's not just conflict with others, but it can have peace for everyday life. This Jesus, this Prince of Peace, said this to his disciples in John 14. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. He wants us to have personal peace. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. My friends, this Prince of Peace offers a personal peace in us that we can take on life. That when things are bad and things are dark and unsure, there's Emmanuel, the God who will never leave us nor forsake us. This Emmanuel is with us in the dark times in the scary times, in the hurtful times, in the disappointing time, when those roads are dark and lonely, it's when the Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace, is with us. And when scary things arise and we're unsure, the Bible tells us we can cast all our cares upon this Prince of Peace because he cares for us. It's only this Jesus that knows our heart. And when people offend us and when people betray us and hurt us, we wrestle with that. It is the Prince of Peace that we can go and say, I've been hurt. I've been wrong. And that Father God, that Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace, will comfort us, help us. Before we know it, we can let it go. Before we know it, we can, we can surrender that hurt, that betrayal. Before we know it, we don't have to be so hostile. Before we know it, we don't have to have this ego chip on our shoulder. We don't have to be all puffed up in righteousness. And we can love our fellow man better. We can listen a little bit better. We can be a little bit more sensitive to them. If we have to share truth with our fellow man, we do it in love. We do it in respect. Because God's peace lives within us. Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace. No wonder those angels said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. So this is what I want to challenge you to do this Christmas season. I'd like for you to spend a little bit of time privately thinking about your vertical relationship with God. Man, people are going to be in your faces and there's going to be a lot of tension horizontally. But when's the last time we said, hey, are we cool with God? Is that divide between me and God been lifted? Have we addressed that sin righteous divide and asked Christ to forgive us of our offenses? Have we said, Jesus, I want you to come to my life. I want you to give me a new life, a new birth in you. Forgive me of my offenses. And that reconciliation, that oneness of God, the peace flows into our life. And before you know it, life is a little bit easier because the Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace, is living within us. I'm reminded of a time of peace long time ago in 1914. In the world, the world was at war in World War I, mostly Germany against France. And in the fields of Europe, these two armies were been slugging it out for years and months. They were tired, exhausted, and it came Christmas time. They didn't want to fight, and each of the sides went into their trenches and hunkered down for the night. 
Well, according to historians, the weather that night was particularly very quiet and clear. No clouds, no winds, super quiet. And as those armies were bunkered in their trenches, they were starting to feel sorry for themselves. It was Christmas time. Actually, it was Christmas Eve. And they looked up into those brilliant stars. And they remember from their childhood the, the stories of Christmas and how God came on that starry night to that manger. And one of the soldiers started singing a, a hymn, started singing a, a Christmas carol. And all those soldiers kind of knew that carol. And they started singing with them. And it just went down the trenches. And they started uh, unifying and just singing beautiful carols to help them appreciate, to remember back home the Christmas days. Pretty soon, one of the soldiers said, hey, quiet, do, do you hear that? Quiet, do you hear that? And they got quiet, and they heard across the killing fields on the other enemy's trenches, they were singing carols too. They were singing those hymns. And before they know it, they, they started unifying. They could hear each other, and, and they came out of their trenches. And the historian said it was the historic Christmas Eve truce. Just for a couple hours, on that clear Christmas Eve night, nothing was stirring. And the enemies came out, and they came on the, the middle field there and gave them a chance to address their wounded and drag back their dead. But at the same time, these soldiers, these enemies, start singing these carols. And one of them was the epic silent nights, holy nights. All is calm. All is bright. They tell us that few of them passed gifts like buttons and some coins. And then they went back to their trenches and the war continued. But just for a couple hours, there was peace on earth and in the heart. This morning, I will give us a chance to just experience God's peace this morning. One of the Christmas traditions is the, the candlelight. We're going to pass the candle and the light. And I want to encourage you to just pass it to your, your friend by you. And as we sing this song and just embrace the Prince of Peace, look into that flame and appreciate the Prince of Peace. We pause this morning to enter into one of the most peaceful ceremonies of the year, remembering the Christ child, the Prince of Peace. Oh, Father, how we need peace, peace in our world, but more importantly, peace in our hearts. We thank you, God, that you so saw our need that you came to this world. You didn't have to, but you came as a baby and you grew to be a man and let yourself be crucified on the cross. Help us to embrace that. Help us to enter into a relationship with you that's deep and wide. We thank you that you are the Emmanuel, that no matter what's happening this next year, what comes our way, that we have a great heavenly father, a prince that will help us through all things. Bless these good people as they go with their families and themselves. May they never forget who you are, the Prince of Peace. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, well, let's carefully blow out our candles. You may place them in the, the basket on your way out. Remember, in two weeks, we come back to our series, God Strong. And I just want to tell you on behalf of myself and the staff at Faithbrook, we wish you a Merry Christmas. 
you're dismissed. 